Praise the Lord. Amen. If you have your Bibles tonight, we're turning to the book of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, chapter number 10. Book of Hebrews, chapter number 10. Hebrews, chapter number 10. I'll ask if you will please stand to your feet as we reverence the reading of God's precious word. Hebrews, chapter 10. I want to begin reading in verse 23. The scripture says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. How many of y'all know he's faithful? Amen. Amen. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. What wonderful verses, verses 23 through 25 of Hebrews chapter number 10. Verse 24 has got a statement there that I believe the Lord wants us to be interested in where it says, let us consider one another to provoke unto love. Now, I wanted to preach tonight on provoking one another. (laughs) It does say to provoke unto love and to good works, amen? Uh, But I want to preach on this, I'll say it like this. The title tonight will be Encouraging One Another. I heard in the prayer room, somebody said in their prayers, I finished praying and I started just listening to the stillness there. Somebody said, oh Lord, would you give a word of encouragement tonight? God, I need to be encouraged. I heard somebody praying that. I went, what about this? God said, preach on encourage one another. Amen. Man, how we need it so desperately. But I believe there are some things in the Bible that are very small, insignificant things that are there for our encouragement, and we often overlook them. So there are three things tonight I think that the Lord wants us to lift out tonight to be an encouragement to you. Father, help us tonight, God. Would you cleanse us of sin? Would you empty us of self? Would you... Fill us with your spirit. God, would you help us tonight, God, to preach in the power and the demonstration of the spirit of God. Lord, we need your help. For it's in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen and amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. It seems like nowadays we don't always hear exactly what we should hear. Or if we hear, we don't always understand what we've heard. And I want you to hear me tonight and hear me well. And I pray the Lord would open both sets of your ears. Not both your ears, but both sets of your ears. You have physical ears, but God gave you spiritual ears. And I pray that tonight that you would be able to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. There was a little boy one time climbed up in his grandma's lap. And he said, Grandma, can you make a noise of croaking like a frog? And she said, well, son, how would a frog croak? He said, Grandma, I don't know, but please croak like a frog. So she did the best impersonation she knew how of croaking like a frog. And the little boy jumped out of her lap, clapping his hands. Thank you, Grandma. Thank you, Grandma, he said. She said, honey, why in the world would it make you so happy that I croak like a frog? He said, well, last night I overheard Mama and Daddy say, when Grandma croaks like a frog... We'll go to Disney World. 
sometimes we don't always understand what we hear. Amen. There are times we get discouraged. Somebody said to me one time, said, I've been preaching, I forget how long they said, been preaching 30 years. That's, that's for me. Been preaching 30 years and I've never had a discouraged bone in my body. But evidently they've got a lying tongue in their mouth. I, I just want to say that if you've been born on this earth and you're a Christian, a child of God, there's times that you get discouraged. Just be honest. That I'm maybe talking to a man of God tonight. Maybe you're going to watch this in two weeks from now or maybe you watch it later on tonight. God knows that you're discouraged and he sent us tonight to try to encourage you in the word of God. David said in Psalm 42 verse 5, this was his word. This is the, the sweet psalmist of Israel. This was King David, a man after God's own heart. He made this statement. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? He was disheartened. He was discouraged. I want to turn back then to the book of Genesis chapter 50. Genesis chapter 50. We will do some scripture turning tonight. I hope you brought your Bible. Welcome to Bible 101. In Genesis 50, I want to begin reading in verse 24. Genesis 50 verse 24. Just want to encourage you tonight. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die. And God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land unto the land which he swore to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry my, up my bones from hence. So Joseph died being 110 years old and they embalmed him and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. And for 400 years, his bones laid somewhere in a coffin in the land of Egypt. And then we turn to Exodus chapter 13. When God came to visit his people. And in verse number 17, the scripture says, And it came to pass, when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistians, although that was near. For God said, lest peradventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For he had straightly sworn the children of Israel saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones away hence with you. So there's the bones of, Moses, uh, the bones of Joseph after 400 years. Moses says, let's get them and we're out of here. Let's go. And you know what happened? They began to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Let's fast forward another 40 years to the book of Joshua. And let's turn to chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24 and let's look in verse 32. Preacher, this is not encouraging me at all. Joshua 24, verse 32. And the bones of Joseph, which the children of Israel brought up out of Egypt, buried they in Shechem, in a parcel of ground which Jacob bought, of the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of silver. And it became the inheritance of the children of Joseph. When the time for Joseph 
came that he was dying, he knew that God was going to bring Israel up out of the land of Egypt. And he believed that God would take them back to the promised land. And he made the Israelites promise him that one day when they returned home that they would take his bones out of Egypt back to the promised land. And he died. 400 years later, Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt and they took the bones of Joseph with them. But in the wilderness, the children of Israel rebelled against God and after 40 years, they wandered around and finally, finally, Joshua led them across, amen, and they buried Joseph's bones in the promised land. Have you ever stopped to think about what really happened to Joseph's bones during those 40 years of wandering? Who it was that carried those bones? I want to say that tonight, what if your job was carrying around on a scale of 1 to 10, God called you and said, your job is to carry the bones of Joseph for 40 years through the wilderness. On a scale of 1 to 10, how satisfied would you be with that calling? Everybody wants to be a servant of God until you get treated like one. I just imagine the conversation. I'm sitting here thinking. Just imagine the conversation. Somebody walked up to one of the members of the children of Israel and says, hey, what, is your, what are you doing? What job do you do as we're wandering aimlessly through this wilderness? And one said, well, my job is to watch the sheep and the cattle to make sure they don't stray. Oh, that's good. And what is your job? Well, my job is to gather the wood so that we always have something to cook with and so that we can stay warm. Well, sir, what is your job? He said, I'm the minister of bones. The only thing I do is I carry around bones through the wilderness. You may be a pastor of 20 years. You may say, preacher, that's me. I'm a minister of dead bones. <laughs> that's all I do. I'm just carrying the bones each and every day of my life. From this, I get just a couple of thoughts about encouragement. I think, first of all, that promises are more important than priorities. Preacher, what do you mean? Somebody had to carry those dead bones, and a promise is more important than priority. We live in a culture that does not emphasize promise. Our culture emphasizes priority. They say, do what's important to you. Do the most important thing. Get your priorities straight. I'm sure from the pulpit, you're going to hear me say, get your priorities straight. But God will ultimately judge a man by what he promised he would do. Brother Andrew Vess, God was dealing with him about getting in the choir to sing. Y'all didn't know it. You may say, well, you just walk up there. God dealt with him about getting in the choir to sing. God dealt with him about coming down to sing. And he surrendered. He said, I'm, I'm going to do, I, God, I promised God I would do what the Lord told me to do. And I'm telling you, he got on with business. God judges you on what you promised God that you would do. I may do a lot of things, but it, listen, a man may do a lot of things, but if you don't do what you promised God to do, God's not really much impressed with you about it. God takes very seriously what a man promises. The Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 5, it is better not to vow a vow than to make a vow and not keep it. 
So promises are more important than priorities. When those, listen, when those children of Israel were getting ready to leave the promised land, if there was ever a time where somebody had to put priorities in order, it would have been at that time. And we're trying to get all their things together. We're, let's go back to Exodus. Chapter 12, I think. Exodus chapter 12. I want to read about it. Exodus chapter 12. You remember, God went through and he said, put the blood on the doorpost and the lintel of the house and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And that night, when God came through the land, every house that did not have the blood, the firstborn in that home died that evening. And there was a grievous, a grievous cry over all the land of Egypt that very night. And the Bible says in the book of Exodus chapter number 12 and verse 31, here's, here's Pharaoh. Pharaoh, he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, rise up and get you forth from among my people, both ye and the children of Israel, and go serve the Lord as you have said. He's saying, you go right now. Verse 33, and the Egyptians were urgent upon the people. All of Egypt wanted Israel to get out of the land that they might send them out of the land in haste. For they said, we be all dead men. And the people, look at this, the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading troughs being bound up in their clothes upon their shoulders. That night, when the call came from Moses, God has said, we can go, and Pharaoh said, get out of the land and go now. So Moses says, get everything together. We're leaving now. Can you just imagine as they're getting all their clothes and their kitchen utensils together, they're making priorities. We, we Think about right now tonight, if you had to move from your home tonight, what would be the first things, your priority of getting everything together so you could get moved? A few years ago, I moved. And Lord, how mercy, it wasn't pretty. I'm telling you, I threw stuff in the back of my car that I think Noah had in a garage sale at one point in time. I mean, I didn't even recognize that stuff. It was the last of the stuff. It was the most important stuff. And we were just trying to get out of there and get cleaned up. And I'm telling you, we were just throwing stuff everywhere. And while your priorities are to get all your stuff, or as much as you can, I mean, wow, I mean you're getting everything together. Moses says, hey, Go get the bones of Joseph. You snap your neck around and say, what? I'm in the middle of my priorities, man. I got to get my stuff together. We're exiting this place tonight. And you want some of us to do, do what? You want us to go get the bones of who? Joseph. Joseph died 400 years ago. Why do we care about Joseph? I need my cooking utensils. But Moses said, we made Joseph a promise that when we got out of Egypt that we would take his bones with us. And I'm telling you that your promise is more important than your priorities. I'll tell you something about my grandpa. I hardly ever hear him say, wait a minute. You know how you are. You're carrying stuff and somebody says, I need you. Wait a minute, let me set this. Never. Man, he had dropped what he had. Take the shirt off his back. He didn't have to wait for help when it came to grandpa. He was after it, amen. And I'm telling you, Moses said, 
get the bones of Joseph and let's carry him out of here because we gave him our word. Your promise is more important than priorities. What about that, amen? When you make a promise to God, you better be careful that you keep that promise. You promise to be faithful, you better be faithful. You promise to sing in the choir, you better get after it. If you promise God, you better get after it. I promise God that I would preach the gospel. And I preach even on Super Bowl Sunday. The gifts and the calling of God are not without repentance, right? Amen. But you hear me. You hear me very well, amen. God called us to preach the word of God. And I'm to preach in season and out of season. Amen. Another thing I get from this, that personalities are never as important as purpose. Now, look in the Bible. I've read some scriptures in the book of Genesis, the book of Exodus, the book of Joshua. Somebody tell me tonight the names of those men, I mean, especially the main ones that were responsible for carrying Joseph's bones. It was, uh, hmm, uh, can you tell me who carried his bones? I read it tonight. Who carried his bones? You don't know because the Bible doesn't say. These men are unnamed. These men are unrecognized. But the fact remains the same that somebody had the responsibility to carry out the promise they made Joseph and get those bones and carry them out of Egypt and wander 40 years in the desert, amen, and in the wilderness and finally get them across the Red, uh, get them across the, the, the Jordan River into the promised land, amen. I'm just telling you that I don't care who the, pro, who the personalities are. Some, you got to understand something about ministry. Oftentimes in the ministry, uh, you are unrecognized. Your service is unnamed. You, you're not getting a lot of passion. Well, you mentioned Andy's name tonight from the pulpit and, and I sung this morning and I sung last week and, and you didn't mention my name from the pulpit but, but you, the first time he gets up there to sing you mentioned his name and you didn't do it for me and I'm never coming back. <laughs> Oftentimes in the service to the Lord things are unnoticed and unrecognized but they're not unrewarded. I just want to encourage you, sir, wherever you're serving, right? You may be at Hemroyd Boulevard Baptist Church. I, it may be so cold in your church that, that, that the cows, when they walk in, they, 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 they give uh, frozen milk. I, I'm just telling you, uh, some of us, we, we, we are in places that are dry and, and places, and we go through seasons in our life that sometimes we feel like, what's the use, man? One time there was a man wrote to the paper and he said, I don't understand why these Baptists have three services a week. I go to my church. I only go on Sunday morning, but they make me feel guilty for not going Sunday night and not going Wednesday night. But I just don't understand why they got to go three times a week. And to be honest with you, I can't remember one of the sermons the preachers preached. I mean, I remember a, a few things that happened there, but I, I don't know his outline. I don't know. And someone wrote back and said, listen, to the man who wrote that, why we have three services a week. My wife and I have been married three, 30 years, and we eat three times a day. And I cannot tell you her menu for those three meals a day 
of every time that we ate for 30 years, 365 days a year. But I know this, that if it wasn't for the fact that we had those meals, I wouldn't be alive today. Amen? And I'm just telling you, God has a purpose. And personalities are never as important as the purpose of God. May your pastor, or may, listen, may he never get in the way of God's purpose. May nobody in this church ever, even Brother Andy, may nobody ever get in the way of God's purpose for this church to reach the lost and the dying as we lift up the name of Jesus Christ. That is our purpose, to see men and women saved while we exalt the name of Jesus and we worship him, amen. And may there never be a personality more important important than the purpose of God. And sometimes you may get in a situation in the church where a personality almost comes out and everybody, but God will take care of that if you'll let him. Number one, my first point was this. Sometimes you feel like you're carrying dead men's bones, but carry on. Because God says that my promises are more important than priorities and personalities are never as important, amen, as my purpose. So carry dead men's bones. Sometimes you may feel like, man, I'm going to this Sunday school class and and there's only two people showed up and man, what's the use? Pray. Call on God. Beg Him to send you more. Encourage those people. Call them. Do what you got to do. Teach them the Word. Don't turn your Sunday school class into a soapbox that you can get up and teach your opinion. Teach the Word of God. And I'm telling you, watch the Word of God increase. I just want to encourage you. Amen. Sometimes you feel like you're carrying dead men's bones. But God called us to it. Keep doing it. Number two, I'm turning to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 38. The book of Jeremiah, chapter 38. We're going to meet a man in the book of Jeremiah by the name of Ebed-Melech. I know some of you have named your kids after him because he's very popular. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 38, we find God's prophet, God's man, has been preaching the word, and the people turned against him. He told them Babylon was coming because of their sin, and they didn't want to hear it, and they took the man of God, Look in verse 6, and you can read it for yourself. They took the man of God, and they dropped him. Listen, they suspended down in a dungeon where there's no water, no windows, no light, and he sank down in the mire. The man of God, Jeremiah, I'm talking about, listen, you, you would have heard him on every radio ministry and every Facebook ministry, and you'd think, man, he's the big guy of his day, and the, the society put him in a dungeon down in the mire. Nobody. Wanted to hear the man of God. That's where he was. You may think, I'm having a hard time. At least you're not in a dungeon sunk down in the mire. But in case you are, I want to give you a word tonight in Jeremiah 38, verse number 7. Now when Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian, one of the eunuchs, was in the king's house, he heard that they had put Jeremiah in the dungeon. The king then sitting in the gate of Benjamin, Ebed-Melech went forth out of the king's house And spake to the king, saying, My lord the king, these men have done evil, and all that they've done to Jeremiah the prophet, whom they've cast into the dungeon, and he is into and he is like to die for hunger in the place where he is, for there is no more bread in the city. There's a famine in the land. 
A Babylon has come around them. There's a famine. The man of God, no bread in the city, and the man of God is sunk down, down in the mire. And instead of being concerned that we hear from heaven through the man of God, they try to bury him in the mire. But even that Melech said, oh no, this is never going to be good. Verse 10, then the king commanded Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian, saying, take from thence, take from hence 30 men from thee and take up Jeremiah the prophet out of the dungeon before he dies. So Ebed-Melech took the men with him and went into the house of the king under the treasury and took thence old cast clouts and old rotten rags and let them down by cords into the dungeon to Jeremiah. And Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian, said unto Jeremiah, Put now these old cast clouts and rotten rags under thine armholes under the cords. And Jeremiah did so. So they drew up Jeremiah with the cords and took him up out of the dungeon. And Jeremiah remained in the court of the prison. Here's a man, Ebed-Melech, a man in obscurity, a man of Ethiopia, a man that nobody really even considers in the word of God. He's lived his life over the course of human history and he's lived his whole life and the only thing that God pointed out to us about his life was that he gave rotten rags to the man of God. So number two, I want to encourage you. Not only sometimes are you carrying dead men's bones, do it faithfully. But sometimes you are conveying rotten rags. When God gave the summary of his life, this is the most important thing he pointed out. He gave him those rotten rags to put under his arms so when they raised him up, it wouldn't tear his skin. It was an act of grace to the man of God. Rotten rags. Now we live in a society filled with glitz, and glamour, and we like to magnify the big and the famous. I want to tell you something. God's not so much interested in the glitz and the glamour, but he is interested in rotten rags given in the name of Jesus. Rotten rags reminds me of this. I think about my old rotten rags, that what we, what little we have, it's precious to God. You may say, tonight, preacher Dan, I, I can't be like Andy. I, I don't have a voice. I can't sing. Preacher Darren, I, I can't get up there. I, I, Preacher Darren, I don't really have anything. I, 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 I can't even pray in public. I, I get nervous and I get tongue-tied and, and I, I stutter and I stammer. I, I can't pray in public and I can't sing in the choir and I can't I really sometimes sit in a Sunday school class. It's like freaking me out, man. It's such tight quarters with all those people in there. And, and Preacher Darren, I just, I just struggle. I tell you something, if you'd take your rotten rags, what little you got, and you'd give that to Jesus, God had turned that into such a blessing to lift the man of God as he's trying to preach the word so the people can hear, thus saith the Lord, amen. I'm just saying in our churches we have taken what God has meant to be our strengths and turned them into our weaknesses. And we have taken that which are our strengths, amen, and they have become our weaknesses. And we think, that what we're going to give God is our strengths. And here it is. I'm just going to tell it to you. Lord, we know how to do it. We've read the latest books on it, modern technology. We, knows how, to, we know how to do it. But God had rather have somebody that will get on their face and say, God, I don't have much. All I have is weaknesses. 
All I have is rotten rags. And God, that's all I have. I don't have energy anymore. I don't have effectivity anymore. I don't have any money. I don't have any talent. I don't have any ability. Lord, I have nothing. But what I have is rotten rags. And I'm going to give you that, God. I'm offering you my rotten rags. And he says, "Woo! that's just what I wanted. That's just what I needed. God can take the rotten rags of your life and turn it into a tremendous blessing. Amen. I just want to say this and try to move off this thought. You and I, we have got to get to where we are willing to do one, one thing. It's to offer to God what little we are. You may think, oh, you're this and you're this and you're this. I praise God for it, but I'll be honest, I'm not. Man, I've been preaching sometime that week. God reminded me, I was just so tired the other day. I said, God, I just don't know. I mean, people were calling me. We had to make decisions. There was pressure, and, and, and my dad was sick, and I was a little bit frazzled and worn, and I was praying about what to do. And, and I thought, I said, God, I don't even know. I don't have the energy. I, I don't have the... I, I don't have the, the focus. I, I don't have the ability. God, I don't even know how I'm going to get out of this. But I'm even, Lord, what if we start? What are we doing? And God says, just give it to me. I got a text that says, mission accomplished. Taken care of. Don't worry about it, preacher. It's done. <laughs> I didn't have to do a thing. God did it. When we just said, Lord, what little I have, I give to you. God is not interested in your strengths. He's not impressed with your cleverness. He's not impressed with your ability. He's not impressed with those things. You know what he wants? He wants some rotten rags if that's all you've got to offer. Look this scripture up. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. You may say, Preacher Darren, what's God going to do with the rotten rags? Give it to him and watch what he'll do. Amen. One more. We've talked about carrying dead bones. How many of you feel like sometimes in my family, sometimes on my job, sometimes in the ministry, I feel like all I'm doing is carrying dead bones. I feel like sometimes all I'm doing is, is taking these old rotten rags and conveying them. And I want to do something more glamorous than that. Serving God's not all about glamour and glitz. Amen. Thirdly, in the New Testament. Well, finally, you're getting to the New Testament, preacher. In the book of Matthew, chapter number 10. Turn there with me. I'm almost done. Last point. Matthew, chapter 10, verse number 40. Matthew 10, verse 40. He that receiveth you receiveth me. And he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. Verse 41. He that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he that receiveth a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whosoever shall give a drink uh, unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his report. Thirdly, there are times you can just, all you can do is just consign a cup of cold water. You're unrecognized. You're unnoticed. But you're not unrewarded. Now I want to say, with me and my little brother, 
we were just little bitty fellas, we would take our allowance, ever what it was, a quarter, and we'd save that money. Rather than spending it on baseball cards and bubble gum like most young boys would do, or trying to put a bell on a bicycle, we started what was called Backyard Baptist Church. And my brother would lead singing, and I'd preach. We'd call the cats and the dogs in, and we'd preach to them. And we even baptized the cat one time. And the cat clawed me and scratched me and it went running down the hall. And my daddy said, what are you doing with the cat? I said, Dad, we're baptizing. He said, son, you cannot baptize a cat. I said, you ought to thought about that before he got saved. If you get saved, you get, you get baptized. Amen. And years later, there, well, years later, months later, in the year, we had a little wooden pallet with an upside-down 40-gallon barrel of whatever that was. And a young man from Alabama, Gadsden, Alabama, came to the altar, and I knelt down with him, and I said, why are you here? He was crying at pretend church. I said, why are you here? He said, I need to be saved. I thought, praise God, I barely got saved myself. Now what do I do? And I thought, please let my daddy be home and run in the back door. Mom, where's dad? She said, he just got home from work. I thought, thank God. Dad, there's a boy in the backyard that needs to be saved. Get your Bible. Come with me. He said, there's a what? Where? I said, just get your Bible and come with me. And he went in the backyard and led that young man to faith in Jesus Christ. And we would take our little offerings that we got there. The cat couldn't give much, and the dog didn't have a whole lot. But but Grandma might give a dollar or two. And we would take that money, and then we would take our allowance, and we would add to it. And we would ask our parents to help us. And we found a missionary that was sending Bibles to China. And we did it in Jesus' name. And one of these days, there may be some Chinaman that says, and God's got the record book there, and he says, hey, you one Chinaman to the Lord. You got the wrong guy. I've not led any Chinaman to the Lord that I know of. That said, oh, no, no, right here it says, you sent money over for Bibles to a missionary, and he led thousands to the Lord, and you're part of that. And so you're going to get his part of his part of his reward. I got enough to go around. His how many of y'all know his rewards don't run out? You see, I gave it in the name of Jesus, and God will bless it. A cup of cold water in Jesus' name. Brother Jeff Singleton, where are you at? Wave at me. Brother Jeff's daddy. There you are identifying people again. I'm mad. Tommy Singleton. I'd just been elected pastor here. I hadn't been here just a little while. God was saving souls. And one Sunday morning, God just set in, moved in. And Brother Tommy used to sit in the very back of the church. He gets up. He starts walking down the aisle. I thought, what in the world? Tommy comes walking up to him. He comes up to the altar. He comes up the steps to the platform. He takes the cup that was sitting here and he pours me water. And he hands it to me. And he went and sat down, tore me out of the frame. He was saying, Preacher, you've been all lathered, worked up, and God saved. And he's given me a cup of cold water in Jesus' name. That's, and he, God told him to do that, and he just went and sat down. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. And it was so holy to me, I couldn't drink it. I had to pour it out and give it to him. I said, God, this cup of cold water belongs to you. And I poured it out. And gave it to God. Well, what does he need water for? Do you get my drift? 
Sometimes all you can do is consign a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus to one of his little ones. But honey, it will not go unrewarded. You may be in a church tonight. You may be in a place that you're not getting recognized or noticed or nobody appreciates what you're doing. You feel like you're carrying dead men's bones. You feel like the only thing you're doing is you're conveying rotten rags. You feel like sometimes you're just consigning cups of cold water to little children. But honey, it's going further than you think it is. So I'm going to encourage you, stay faithful. Stay active. Keep praying. Keep serving. Keep singing. Keep preaching. Hey, God's not looking for your strength. God's not looking for your perfection. God wants your weakness. I mean, who amongst us not is willing to say, God, I ain't much. I don't have much to offer. But I got some rotten rags that's in my life. What little energy I got, I'm going to give it to you. You watch what he'll do. You stand to your feet. Can I encourage you? Would you come to the altar tonight? God, some moves you tonight. But Seth, would you come and play? Father, I, I love you tonight. God, I know I'm so undeserved and so unworthy. And Lord, I'm not much. But what little I am, I lay it at your feet. My righteousness is filthy rags. And God, I lay those rags and put them to your use if you'd see fit. God, I take the cup of cold water to try to have an act of compassion and to try to be a blessing, God, to young people and the men of God and the servants of God. Father, if I could just be a servant to the servant of God, I'll be more than happy and honored. Lord, help us tonight, God. To be willing to carry dead men's bones if that's what you call us to do. <laughs> and help us, God, to get happy. Woo! While we're doing it, you've not forgotten where we are. God, would you touch and encourage hearts? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. <laughs>